We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Seventh pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Panay Sewell, tackle, Oregon. He's going to run it straight in. Jared Goldberg, yes. down Detroit Lions. DJ Hawkinson, yes. they did it. They tied it. They're an extra point away from winning this game. Oh, baby, how big is that? Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Twitter Live Spaces. Uh, there's so many million names we can call this, but welcome back to the Twitter Spaces Live Show. I am your host, Tyler. Jumbo main guy, as always, Pierre. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Tyler. How are you? Doing well, man. You know, it's Friday night. Glad to be back. I had to miss last week, and I want to wish a very happy birthday to our man, Mr. Malcolm Hart, he will not be joining us today as this is going to be his birthday at the time it's recording. So he is out there celebrating his birthday. So I just want to wish a happy birthday to our editor, our co-host, and our obviously our big friend, Malcolm Hart. So happy birthday to my man. Yeah, man. Shout out to Malcolm. Happy birthday to Malcolm. Hope he's, uh, he's having fun right now. It's his birthday. Yeah. I hope he's having fun as well. And uh, I don't know what exactly what he's doing. I think he said he's going out for dinner. So. I think he's going out with his wife, so hope he's having fun while doing that, and hope he's enjoying his birthday. He's getting old for us, man. He's getting too old for us. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, guys. So I want to talk about two topics in this episode, and then we'll bring on some listeners on afterwards. And if you guys got something else to bring to the table, you guys could bring that to the table. We are all open today. It's going to be a nice chill back Friday night. But I want to first off start with the USFL. And what's going on with that league? So the USFL is another one of those expansion leagues that they are now currently trying to branch out and kind of, you know, create a league for themselves, you know, make a spring football league. We've seen it a couple of years ago with the XFL. We saw the AF. Those leagues obviously didn't sustain for, you know, many re- different reasons. But now we have another league this spring coming in 2022. And that's the USFL. And the USFL actually used to be a thing back in the 80s and they are now returning their eight teams. And, uh, Peter, I'm just going to ask you. I know you told me you didn't do too much research on this league. But as far as an intrigue and interest level for this league, I mean, how interested are you? I mean, is it too much football or is there just never too much football? Or, like, what's your intrigue level of watching this league coming up on, um, on your TVs? Well, like, 
I did a little research on it just because we were going to talk about it. And um, there was actually some like draft prospects that were that were drafted in the USFL draft, um, which was interesting. So maybe more development for them. Obviously, you can never have enough football, in my opinion, whether it's the summer, winter, whatever it is, spring. Um, you have also a lot of like NFL failures kind of getting that second chance or guys that are like trying to prove themselves again, right? Yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting. There is obviously some talent. It's not like these guys are like bums. They're, they're talented. They just haven't worked out in the NFL. But I hope it works out, man. We have a team, Michigan Panthers. So I was going to be rooting for Michigan Panthers. Yeah. Go Panthers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing with this league that, at least this year, and maybe that could change if the league is still sustained in a couple of years, but as of right now, there are cities connected to these teams, like Peter mentioned, the Michigan Panthers, and they have other teams that are connected with other cities. But for this season, they are going to be playing in one hot spot, which is in Birmingham, Alabama. So all the games will be played over there. So as far as you know, gaining interest as a team, I think that could be a little difficult for this league because you know, there's not that immediate reaction where you could just go to a game and actually build that connection with the team. Like, yes, there's a team that's technically called the Michigan Panthers, but you can't go in Michigan and watch the Michigan Panthers. So I think for this year and, you know, any league that's trying to establish themselves, it's going to be always hard to create a fan base. And I think when you create these leagues, it's always going to be hard to create a fan base because when you think of the NFL or other leagues, I mean, those teams, you are growing up with them. You were born into being fans of those right. teams. So I think it's a lot different. I mean, this league is obviously brand new, um, and they're coming back to life. So you're never going to have that same experience being a fan of one of these teams like you would for an NFL or an NBA or anything like that. But I think as far as an interest level, I think it could be there. I really do. I mean, as far as sports betting, we see sports betting is really hot right now, and you know, when people have a skin in their game, people are obviously going to be interested in watching these games. And I thought you brought up a great aspect is if we can get legitimate draft prospects in this league, kind of like almost what the NBA is doing a little bit with the, the G League Ignites. I think if they could somehow create this league to kind of being a, a source to legitimate draft prospects like that we could be talking about in the NFL draft. I think you're getting a whole different audience that will actually be intrigued on a different level. Like, I think me and you, I could relate that we're going to watch, we're going to tune in, but there's probably not going to be that legitimate rooting interest or, or we're not going to go out of our way to necessarily watch these games. But I think if you put legitimate draft prospects in these, and if they could somehow convince them to come to this league and play here, I think then that kind of creates a different buzz and you're getting a different audience. You're getting more of the diehards of NFL teams. They're going to want to, you know, be tuned in and watch these games. So, it's going to be interesting to see how this league develops throughout the years. I mean, like I said, there's been multiple different leagues like this in the spring that just haven't worked out for different reasons. So, I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll see what the USFL could do. I think one red flag to me is that they're only playing in one hotspot city. I think if they were actually to play in the cities that they're connected to, I think that would help a lot more in building connection and people wanting to tune in more interestingly. But I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting to see how this league you know, tries to stay afloat and tries to change the I guess the past of other leagues of not succeeding like the XFL and AAF. Right. Now, do you want to get into uh, the juicy stuff? Yeah, let's do that right now. So we're going to talk about Kyle Hamilton and should the Lions potentially target him at pick number two. So, you know, I, I think 
you've seen a lot of the draft experts. You've seen guys like Daniel Jeremiah. They've been praising this guy a lot and saying that he can even be as far as a generational talent. And I say it every single year in the draft, that word generational talent is thrown out pretty I, – I think sometimes people throw it out too loosely. I think with Kyle Hamilton, you could actually maybe legitimately put him in that conversation, that safety position, because you know you don't get safety prospects like this pretty often. But is that enough for a team like the Detroit Lions to pick him at pick number two? Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network recommends if Aiden Hutchinson is not on the board for the Detroit Lions, he would not be against the Detroit Lions taking Kyle Hamilton at pick two. And Peter, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that of – hearing a guy like uh, Daniel Jeremiah say something like that. So, um, I, I, like, with, with uh, Kyle Hampton's a great player. Um, the value for safety at number two, to me, is just not there. I don't care if you're generational talent, safety, or whatever. To me, I'm going with the pass rusher, whether it's Thibodeau or Hutchinson. Whoever's drafted first, go with the other guy. That's how I feel, man. Like, the Lions have had trouble getting to the quarterback since Sue left. Anza obviously came. He was a little hurt. Romeo Farrow last year showed flashes. But they haven't really had a consistent pass rusher year in and year out. That, like, team circuit like, oh, we have to be careful from this guy. And I think Hutch or Thibodeau could be one of those guys. And, and Pierre, I think you could agree with me here, too, is, like, I agree 100% with you. And you look at the value of just NFL teams. If you can get one of those pass rushers, one of those elite pass rushers, it changes up the whole game plan for an offense. Like, if you're going against an elite guy like an example, Nick Bosa, or we see it in our division with a guy like Khalil Mack, you get those guys to be on your football team, I mean, it's a, it's a trickling effect. It, it, it makes everybody on your team better. It makes your defensive tackles better. It makes the edge rush on the other side better because then you're getting more looks on your side. And then if you're getting consistent pressure on the quarterback, it's going to make your secondary look so much better than what it may be actually be. I mean, look at the San Francisco 49ers, for example. They have a great front seven. Great front seven. You, you got a lot of guys on that, that front seven. You got guys like Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner at that linebacker position. You got, a, you got multiple different guys. The San Francisco 49ers have gotten away with a, I want to say honestly, subpar to maybe even below average secondary. But they're not as much of a concern when you have a legitimate pass rush. So if the Lions are in position to get one of these guys who I believe are very talented Ed rushers, if that's Kayvon Tibbet or Aiden Hutchinson, I think you absolutely have to go out and get one of those guys, even though Kyle Hamilton might be that generational talent, even though Kyle Hamilton might be physically the best player in this draft. The draft position is just, it, it's just not comparable, man. When you compare a safety to an edge rusher, I, I brought this a couple episodes in our Twitter spaces. I would take the 10th, 11th, ranked edge rusher than the best safety in the league on my team right now. I, I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I, I legitimately believe that whoever you rank as the highest safety in the league, I would take, you know, a good to almost elite edge rusher on that guy on my team before the greatest safety in the league. I, I just believe that. Cause I think I'm edge, with you. I think a good edge rusher is going to help your team more effective than a safety on your team. Even though Kyle Hamilton could do so much for your team. I think I picked number two. I think it's just a no-brainer. You have the option of two really good prospects at that edge rusher position. I think you have to absolutely go out and get one of those guys. And also, um, re- regarding the Thibodeau stuff, I'm not, I'm not buying that stuff because we've watched him, and I, I don't haven't really seen he takes plays off. I don't know what people mean by that. This guy gets double-teamed and triple-teamed 
And then like when he goes when he gets when he goes out of the game, it seems like defenses change what they want to do. Or yeah, I'm sorry, offenses change what they want to do, right? Yeah. So I'm not buying this Thibodeau is like falling down draft boards talk or whatever. I still think he's gonna go in like the top three to five picks. I do too, man. I, I, I think he's still a really, really good prospect. I think he has all the traits to be elite. And I think once the combine starts next week, and I think once we see the numbers that he's going to perform, I think people are going to be really back on Kayvon Thibodeau. I feel like Kayvon Thibodeau, before this season, he was like the consensus number one player in this draft. And I I think everyone throughout the season had him as that player. And I feel like as we slowly ended the season, it just kind of slowly drifted to other guys. Maybe be Kyle Hamilton or maybe be uh, Aiden Hutchinson or whoever, right? Kayvon Thibodeau is just kind of slipping on people's boards. And I'm kind of with you, Pierre. I just I don't see why that's necessarily happening. I still think he's a really good player. And I think once we see those you know, athletic numbers that I think he's going to perform at the Combine, I think a lot of people are going to be back on this guy. And then I think he's going to be right back in that conversation of being an automatic lock in the top three. I, I just don't see a scenario where he's out of the top three. I mean, if the Texans, like, they, because, you know, where they come from, they like to build their secondary first, so Casario. So I wouldn't be shocked if Casario takes Hamilton over um, Thibodeau or Hutchinson, whatever that is. I, I don't know what, what he wants to do. But um, in general, though, like, when, you, when you've also looked at what Brad Holmes has done the past year, he built those trenches. Yep. And I think this year, and also when you look at what, what he strats at safety with the Rams, he's never really taken one, like, really high. Um, Who would be the highest? Taylor Rapp, maybe? Was that like a second-round pick or third-round pick? I think it was a second-round pick, I believe. Yeah, I don't think they've taken a safety in the first round. I mean, to be fair, they haven't picked in the first round since Jared Goff, but yes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But yeah, No, I mean, they had a fourth-round grade on Fuller, but they thought they'd get him in the sixth. They took him in the sixth. So, and obviously, that worked out for them. But um, I don't uh, I don't see... 
I don't see Holmes taking a safety over an edge rusher. I don't either, man. I really... Even if the safety is ranked like, even if the safety has like, uh, how do I say, like more talent. Yeah. I feel like, like you said, would you rather have the best safety in the league or the tenth best edge rusher in the league? And I think I take the tenth best edge rusher in the league. Yeah, I think the only way that the Lions maybe don't do this, go this route, maybe go a Kyle Hamilton route is. I think one or two things. I think it would have to be absolutely they just don't like whoever's left on the board. So let's say, for example, one of those edge rushers gets off taken by Jacksonville. Let's say – we'll just say Aiden Hutchinson, right? And let's just say yeah. Brad Holmes and his staff just don't think highly of Kayvon Thibodeau. They just don't think he's going to be a good football player, for say. Let's just say that's how they view him, right? The only way I see them going that route of Kyle Hamilton is if, one, they can't make that trade. Two, they don't view Thibodeau like as a good football player. Or three, they can't trade back. So I think it would be literally worst-case scenario on Brad Holmes' eyes is to kind of take Kyle Hamilton and pick two, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, I, I don't, Tyler. I, I think they I think they love both guys already with Hutchinson and Thibodeau. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the pass rush last year. It, like, we, we, Charles Harris had a good year. But in general, the Lions were not high in uh, – we're not high in pressure rates at all. It was inconsistent. It was definitely inconsistent as far as getting to the quarterback. And, you know, the Lions still don't have that one guy where you look at other teams where I think we text about this in our chat every single week as we're watching NFL football. When we're watching the 4 o'clock games, we're watching the Sunday night games, the Monday night games. And we see these teams, you know, getting to the quarterback so fast. It's just like, damn, like, why, why don't we ever see the Lions do this? Like, it's been forever since we've seen the Lions have a player like that where they just absolutely disrupt the game plan. You know, I'm not asking to get an Aaron Donald because that's a generational talent. But, like, right. I see so many teams where they have these guys and they just consistently get the pressure on the quarterback. And if it's not dumb, they're shutting all the blocks and being the disruptor and eating those blocks and helping the guy next to them get to the quarterback. And it's just like, you know, we have guys that are good and I think they could complement guys really good. But if you can get that elite guy on the Lions on this defensive line, I think you're looking at a completely different defense. And these guys that we're looking at, maybe not as high right now, we look at them as like, okay, average, or maybe even just like, you know, they're good players. But I think if you get a guy who you believe is going to be like one of those elite players, like a Hutchinson or Thibodeau, if they could be one of those guys, I think a guy like Romeo Quara goes from an RA guy to a guy that we're going to view as one of the best edge rushers in the league. I really do. It's just that's what those guys do if you have the guy next to them. Look at Aaron Donald, man. How many guys has Aaron Donald got paid after they left the Rams because he's such a force and he, he's been able yeah. to get a guy's contract? Look at Michael Brockers. Michael Brockers is a great example. He's Michael good... Brockers, uh, Corey Littleton, the linebacker. Um, we'll see Joseph Day this offseason probably. Samson Ibukam, was it? Yeah, from San Francisco. With the he's Niners. The yeah. Had a nice deal with the Niners in the offseason. Yeah. Amen. Um, we'll, like, we'll even probably see that with Greg Gaines when he hits the market. Not this offseason, but next offseason. Ashawn Robinson, like, look at those guys, man. I mean, you guys had Ashawn Robinson on your team. He was good, but like, he wasn't like this good. Look how good he was in that playoffs for the Rams. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, he was tough in those runs. He he was uh, not really what we saw here. And that's what happens when you can complement guys with a really good edge rusher. And I think you. No. S- oh, you over here. Yeah, Tyler. So also, bro, like when you also have a guy like Hutch, you you and you want to double team, let's say Hutch. It opens it up for McNeil. That's or what Levi, I'm saying. Exactly. Um, Romeo, like whoever it is, right? Yep. So it makes your whole D line. But like, if you think those guys could hit their ceiling, obviously Romeo, we don't know with like his injury. Yeah. Hopefully he'll be okay, but we'll see. 
And, and, and that's my point, Pierre, is like, dude, if that could be the guys that could eat up blocks, even if they're not necessarily the guys, it's going to free up for your other guys to get to the quarterback. And yeah. it's just going to result in such a better defense. And then you don't really have to even like worry about the secondary as much necessarily because if you're getting to the quarterback and they don't have you know much time, you know, your guys are going to be good enough to hold their ground for a couple seconds rather than, you know, you're getting zero pass rush at all. And you can only play coverage for so long. I don't care how good of a corner you are. I don't care how good of a safety you are. You can only play coverage for so long. If you're giving a quarterback all day in the pocket, eventually someone's going to get open and they're going to complete a pass. That's just oh, 100%. That's just how it is. Even if you have Deion Sanders, Jalen Ramsey, whoever it is, if you have no pass rush, those guys are going to get beat. Exactly. That's my point. It's like you could have a great secondary if you don't have a good pass rush you could cover for so long so i I think it's not even close in my books where you always value the trenches and i think the gm that you guys have right now brad holmes i mean i think that's what he did last year the first three picks they were all trench picks take takes panesua pick seven offensive line goes in the second round gets levi on another trench player goes with the third round pick gets a lee mcneil another trench player he's trying to definitely build up the trenches because as much as we say, we say it almost, I feel like every episode, as much of a cliche it is, you win football game in the trenches. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for the Lions to go out there and go get yourself a damn good uh, trench player right now with Aiden Hutchinson or with Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't think there's a bad answer with either one of those guys. Now, Tyler, I have a question for you. So speaking of trenches, let's say like, I don't know if you know this kid, but Zion Johnson out of Boston College. Don't know much about him, but I've heard of him. Uh, there's another. Uh, I know Korloff is from Purdue. I think the guy I'm talking about is a guard, right? Oh, he's talking offensive line. Okay, sorry. So let's say at 32, he's there, and you know Vitae's getting a little older. His contract's a little expensive. Would you be pissed if they took a guard at 32, like a really good guard? So, I wouldn't necessarily be pissed, depending on the board. But I don't think the Lions are necessarily in a boat where they have to take a guard right now. And I guess that kind of goes away from my whole comment of saying you win the trenches. And hear me out for a second. I think the Lions offensive line is pretty much damn established right now. Like, I think you got Frank Ragnall at center right now. You got him under contract for a while. You got Taylor Decker under contract for a yeah. while. You got Penesu under contract for a while. And then you got Jonah Jackson for, what, next year and the year after. And then you'll probably decide if you want to keep him after that. So, you yeah. Ha- so you have four of your five offensive linemen figured out already. I really believe that that's good enough to win in this league. I think especially when you're putting guys in between a guy like Frank Ragnall and Panay Sewell, not saying that you can get a bye with anybody, but I think you could damn near get away, get away with anybody at that position. When you're putting two guys like that, of that caliber next to someone, it's going to be pretty damn hard to not succeed with Panay Sewell and Frank Ragnall right in the middle of you. So, I don't think the Lions necessarily have to go out there and spend a high draft pick, especially with how many needs they have right now. I understand that the guy might be a beast um, and it might be great value, but I just don't think the Lions are in the boat where they need a guard right now. I think they can get by with an average free agent where they don't necessarily have to overpay with someone. Or if you could restructure Big V's contract, I think that would be a good route as well. He had a good year at guard last year. So if I'm the Lions, I would – I would personally pass. But what's your thoughts on that? Personally, with me, I just want good football players. Um, if like there's a really good player that's not expected to be there, like you go by BPA, yeah, you're still in the early stages of your rebuild. I think you take the best player available, whether that's a guard, a receiver, whatever it is. Obviously, like not tackle because they're they're set at tackle, right? Yeah. Um, 
But if it's like a position of need, not need, you know what I mean? Like we don't need a guard, but if it's a really good guard there, like you could maybe use an upgrade or you could maybe open up some cast base and get rid of a guard. So that's what I mean. But, but here's another scenario I have for you. We've talked about trading up for a QB, but we've never really talked about trading up for a wide receiver. Um, so I, I think the top guys, they're, they're like pretty sad, like on people's boards. It's probably Burks, Wilson, Williams. I think those are the top three guys. Let's say one of those guys like falls to like 22 or 23. And like you think someone at 25 or 26 would take him. Would you trade up for that receiver if you really, really love him? I, I think if Brad Holmes necessarily really loves this guy, views this guy as a, a wide receiver one for the future, you know, and he, he could produce for your team right now. I mean, if you're moving up from 32 to what'd you say, 25? Uh, yeah, like 24, 25, whatever it is. What's the estimated draft capital for that to move up from that spot? I don't know. I don't have, I probably guess maybe like a third round pick, um, maybe third and a fifth. I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Obviously, I have to go up 32, so. Yeah. No, yeah, you're obviously switching, swapping picks with that. that if you're moving up a few picks, I, I don't think it's that expensive. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't be against that. I wouldn't be against that. If you view very highly of this guy, you don't think he's going to be there at 32, I don't think that's a bad scenario. I mean, you're giving up a third and fifth round pick, which are valuable. A uh, third round pick is definitely valuable. You can get a starter at that spot. But, I mean, we've mentioned it, man. The Lions have – it's looking like they're going to have either from 9 to 11 picks in this draft, uh, depending on what the draft compensator ends up looking like. I mean – the Lions have that luxury right now. If they want to move up in the draft, they could do that. They could they could definitely do that. And if that's giving up a late day two pick or an early day three pick to move up and get a guy they really, really like and view very highly of and don't think he'll be there at that pick, I don't think he could be mad at that pick unless it doesn't work out, right? Right. Okay, here's another one. So Jamison Williams and Drake London, um, they are both have dealt with injury. Uh, Jamison Williams probably going to be – out for the beginning of the year. He, I believe he tore his ACL in the national championship game, right? Yeah. And then Drake London was, I forgot what injury he had, but he was injured during the year. Let's say um, one of those guys fall to 32, whoever it is. Um, I don't think Williams, maybe London has a chance. We'll see. Would you take a chance on them, even if they're hurt? Absolutely, man. They're really good prospects. I think you absolutely could take a shot on one of those guys if they're there. I mean, those guys are first round talents. And if they're there at 32 for you and even though they might have to miss some time at the beginning of the season, I mean, you're in no rush or no panic mode to get these guys back on the field instantly. If you view that these guys could be really, really good for your team going forward, I think that's more important than looking if they have to miss the first couple of weeks. Would it, would it suck? Yeah, absolutely. It would suck to miss them the first couple of weeks. But there's no rush to, you know, rushing that, their process. So if there's a guy that you thought should have went 15, top 15 or top 20, and he's there at 32 for you, even though he has an injury, I'm not, I'm always down for that. I mean, just look what the Tennessee Titans have done, man. They've I was taken, about to bring that up. Yeah. They, they have taken chances on guys who have had injuries, and it's worked out for them really well, man. You know, you saw guys like Harold Landry, uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, is that his name, the defensive lineman? Jeffrey yeah, now Simmons? they have uh, the kid they took last year. Kayla Farley. Yep. Kayla Farley, yeah. So we'll yeah. see how he looks next year. Yeah, but like, um, those other two have been really good picks for them. And like, those two for them weren't necessarily hits to start because they had to deal with those injuries, but – they were at positions where they probably should have not been there if they were healthy. And if you can get that same luxury at 32, absolutely. Because, I mean, with so much technology, especially with injuries now, if it's like an ACL, 
guys most likely these days are kind of recovering and just being the same guy that they were when they were healthy. It's just obviously the, the recovery process. So if they're there at a position and you view this guy as a top 20, top 15 prospect, I think you absolutely have to go swing the fence to take a guy like that if he's there. Yeah. Uh, with Landry, I believe he fell due to injury concerns, right? Yeah, and same with Simmons. And then Far- Farley was like everyone's cornerback one, I felt like, last year. I mean, maybe not everybody's eyes. A lot of people like Torn and Sertain. But, like, Kayla Farley was right in that conversation as TV one. Yeah. And with the injury, he ended up falling all the way to the mid to late 20s to the Tennessee. And same thing we mentioned with Harold Landry. That was in the 2018 draft. He was a guy I remember we were talking about because we were picking in the early 20s. Like, this right. is a talent that could be uh, top 15, maybe even top 12. He ended up being there in the second round because of his injury. And Jeffrey Simmons being another one of those guys. He's an animal. He ended up falling so he's far. He's arguably the second best interior defensive lineman. He's up there. Right now. He, he, I mean, just the way he affects the game, I think he's number two behind Donald right now. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bold take at all. I think he's really damn good. Yeah. So, I, I don't think that's a bad route, man. I, I think we've seen it work in the NFL before. You're no rush to have these guys back on the fields. I mean, you're no you're in no rush where it's like the Patricia Quinn year where you have a mandate you have to win or you're out. Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have time to build this. So if there's a guy, absolutely go take him if he's there for you at the board. Yeah, they, they, he got a six year deal. Campbell got his. I think Holmes got a five year deal. But Campbell got a six year deal. So th- so they're giving him time, obviously, and they should rebuild this the right way. They shouldn't go out and just. Um, like, just don't take guys just because they could produce for you right away. If you believe that Jamison Williams, even though he's going to miss some time for you, if you believe that he's the best guy available, the best receiver available, and you really want a receiver at that point, you absolutely go take Jamison Williams. I, I don't think it's even a no-brainer at that point, honestly. I think I think if Williams is there, I think they'd take him unless, like, the, the medicals were, like, really, really bad. If it was more than ACL, I, I think they would take Williams if he was there. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm not here to say to take guys who are injured. I'm just saying if guys right. that are – you believe that could recover and they might have to miss a little time at the beginning of the season or might even have to – it might be a lingering 2022 season. That's okay. If you believe the long term of this guy is going to be successful for your team and we kind of forget about that rookie season, I'm absolutely all down for it. I mean, just just look at James Williams. Once he got out of the, of the natty, it's like their offense was lost. Yeah. I, know. I mean, yeah. he's, he's one of those guys, too, where you could just see that he's going to translate to the league really well, man. You could just yeah. tell he's going to be a really good receiver. I think you can make an argument. He should be the first wide receiver taken off the board. Will he be the first receiver taken off the board? Probably not because of his injury. But I think you can make a legitimate argument that he is the most talented receiver in this class. I think he was better than his uh, teammate Ruggs, but maybe not Waddle. I think maybe Waddle is a little better, but he was definitely better than Ruggs, in my opinion, coming out. That's fair. I think that's definitely fair. I mean, Jalen Waddle was a beast this year for the Dolphins. Yeah, Waddle had a great year for the Dolphins. All right, All right guys. You guys have been absolutely phenomenal. Did not expect to be on live for this long, but you guys were given great support throughout the whole night. So it was tough to, to leave it. So I really appreciate you guys all being here live with us on a Friday night. It was absolutely fun, absolutely great. And we'll be back later this week with a breakdown on some more positions in free agency. And we'll obviously have some more draft combine stuff coming up next week. So stay tuned for all of that stuff on the Pride Podcast, on all our feeds, wherever you get your podcasts from, Apple, Spotify, wherever. It's going to be up on your guys' feed, and we'll be recording uh, later next week. So hope you guys all enjoyed this live show, and hope you guys have been enjoying all the content we've been dropping. And with that being said, I'm out, guys. Peace. All right, guys. Like Tyler said, we'll be uh, dropping some episodes this week. Also, every Friday we'll be on Twitter Spaces. 
And I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. I'm out. Peace.